1: Emma Forbes, welcome to The Emma Gunn Show. What an actual treat. How are you? I'm very good. I'm so excited to be on your show, I have to tell you. Um,
0: Having you and I had a chat before as well, we've done mutual podcasting. I'm super excited to be on your show.
1: I love a reciprocal podcast. So listeners, Emma has a wonderful podcast called Life and Soul, which I'll obviously put the links to in the show notes. So I've just recorded an episode of that with her. And you are now recording that with me, uh, this with me. And you are a broadcaster and journalist and now new podcaster. And I mean, you're a big deal, Emma. I don't know that I am a big deal. I feel like
0: I was a big deal at one point in my life, which is now so much further away than I thought about. And now I'm sort of not really, but I'm sort of starting again. And I'm actually quite happy with doing that, if you know what I mean. I feel like this is my part two in life. Podcasting is
1: part two. That's really lovely. So you're going to share your feel-good habits, but I'm sorry, we are going to have to unpick that. So do you feel as as though being able to move on to part two only came after you were able to tie up the emotional loose ends of part one? And did you know that there were loose ends?
0: Oh, 100%. So my part one was such a passion, you know, such a passion. I was, I also had sort of 10 years of working and being married before um, I had children. And I, and it sounds so cringy and I'm sort of not that person, I don't really want to be, but I loved my job. I loved it. I loved, and I loved everything about it. And you have to remember, because I'm so old, it was pre-social media and Instagram and everything like that. But so fame was very different like it was very different it wasn't Instagram fame it wasn't social media fame it was kids waiting outside the BBC people that thought that I lived in the studio with Andy it was just it was just lovely and I loved everything about it I loved the smell of a TV studio I loved the team I loved knowing everybody's dramas or not or kind of going in and knowing what you know I just loved everything about it I loved everything every job I did I loved when I did talking telephone numbers with Philip I called it a well hey it's Monday I used to be on such a high laughing all day I mean I just loved everything about it and then I had my daughter and I I had this sort of presumption that if I had done the career that I'd done and when I had Lily I was on a real crest of a wave I was kind of up there to me, I thought, and I went around the BBC and I went around every job I'd done. I said, Listen, I'll take time off and then I'll be back. Like, you know, and then you just employ me again. Then we're, str- you know, we're kind of back on it, was my theory. Because I thought experience counted for everything, really, I guess. And I had Lily and I had postnatal depression without really knowing about It, it wasn't diagnosed till after I'd had my son, because actually at that point in time, it wasn't a very spoken about thing. Um, And so there was a lot of kind of like, I'm struggling because this is a job, I I don't have a manual for this. Like I'm really good at live TV, but everybody was just like, oh my God, you'll be such an amazing mother and you'll know when she's crying, you'll know what that cry meant. And I just remember thinking, I don't. I thought every cry was meningitis. I honestly didn't. I was just like, and I would look, somebody gave me that book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And I read it like the Bible. And at the end of every chapter, the last sentence was, if in any doubt, call your GP. And I remember, I mean, I called doctors like left, right and centre because I go, I've, the room's the right temperature. I've changed her nappy. She's had 6.2 ounces. She's burped twice. She's pooed. She's peed. And she's awake. And it's four in the morning. Now what? You know, I'm like, now what do I do? Mm. And she was just, I mean, she was just awake. So I found it. And then I found it very difficult to go back to work. I just found it, you know, some mothers can do it. And I just thought, God, I've, waited all this time, I can't not be there. So I became very selective about my work. So whereas before I worked six days a week, willingly and happily, I was like, oh my God, it's two days in Scotland. I can't bear to be away. I won't Mm. do that job. And so it was a sort of work gave me up and I gave work up and I was super happy in that. Like I don't have regret in that way. But the bit of regret that came to me was when i guess i thought oh i want to go back to work now now i want to do it and i was really hurt that i couldn't get back in Mm. i was really hurt and i sort of became a stand-in so it was sort of like i got the experience and people were kind of like oh my god it's brilliant you know like fern britain's got food poisoning and we need somebody on air in an hour we'll call emma And I was like the sort of last minute dot com presenter. Do you know what I mean? She's got loads of experience, she can handle it. And I'd go on and be like, oh my God, it's so great to have your back. It's amazing. And then nothing, just this sort of. So I really struggled is the answer. Really struggled and I tried so hard and I would sort of be a bit desperate actually on reflection. And then I just sort of gave into it and I thought maybe that was just my part one and everybody gets their moment and, and I have to find other things. And so gradually over time, I have found I can redirect my passion in other ways. And I did direct my passion into bringing up my kids. They are and always will be my passion. And I've loved every split second of that. And I think actually I was very lucky to be there for the first smile every, you know, I, in my son's primary school, I watched every single football match bar the one where he told me he scored a hat trick, which is the <laughs> only one he really remembers me not being there for. But I kind of, I loved it. I did it like a job. You know, I was sort of class rep. I loved being class rep. (laughs) I loved all of those things. And then, you know, they're they're not kids. They're grown ups, And I realized that I needed a part two. And I realized that work for me, I'm not a very good person at doing nothing. And I wanted to do something. And, And I've been doing bits and pieces, but actually creating my own podcast was a very empowering thing for me because I actually haven't ever really been my own boss. Um, I haven't, I've sort of always worked with somebody else or I've sort of absorbed somebody else's energy or I've done it in that way. And actually this is the first time I've sort of set it up and um, which came out of lockdown. So yeah, I did. so that was a very, very long-winded way of giving you an answer of yes, I feel like I'm in my part too, but I feel like it was a huge journey. And moving to America was an interesting one because I thought I could pick it up here too. And I had a moment where I went on Fox news to talk about the Royal family. And I walked into the studio. I think they thought I was mad. I was like, Oh my God, the smell of the studio. And I was like, I was ignited. And of course they haven't got a clue who I am. So they're a bit like, that's a bit weird. And I'd sort of made up that I was this Royal expert, which I'm not in order to get on. And I sat next to the host who obviously just knew me as a Royal expert, but nothing more. And Something and it was live, and something went on. She said, "We're going to have to fill for like ten minutes." I was like, "Oh my god, amazing!" <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> she looked at me, and I was like, "Totally fine." So we literally waffled on about nothing while something happened, and I kept looking at her auto cue, and I kept thinking, oh I wonder if she ever takes a day off sick." I wonder if, <laughs> I you know, I wonder if I, and I thought, "I actually can't do this. I can't sort of." I can't sort of half do this. I either have to do it or not do it, but I can't sort of fake being a royal expert or fake being a sort of, because I'm actually just sitting there waiting for something to happen so that I can talk live. How sad. It is a bit sad.
1: No, I, I really, really relate to it because I think in our early parts of our careers, particularly in media, there is a lot of faking it until you make it. And obviously yes very very different uh, media careers but there's a lot of faking it till you make it and I think what happens a little bit down the line is that that suddenly becomes a bit tired or that suddenly seems really inauthentic or suddenly you think hang on I got 20 years experience I shouldn't be faking anything and, yes. <laughs> you know it's so true I mean it be like you being
0: beauty editor of okay magazine for 10 years and then you take a break and then they go we'd love to have you back but actually what you're going to do is sort of make coffee for the second mm. floor and, and 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 every bit of you wants to kind of go that's so fine of course you know I've taken a break and of course I'll do that but then there's a party that goes oh my god I I, I don't know that I that I can I mean I was always that person that did all of that anyway and so it is it's a it's a dilemma, and it's a it's a tricky one, and I think it's because I loved it so much that I, I just found it really hard to step away. I mean, I'm always laughing with Andy Peters. We get reunited once a year on a TV show. I get this phone call from a producer, I I, and I fall for it every year. I get completely waylaid in, and he's doing something that can reunite you on screen. I like, go, oh, God, amazing, and I'm, like, super emotional about it, and I'm like, oh, God, this is incredible, and we get reunited, and there's this sort of half a day of social media messages going, oh my God, you two should be on TV. And, and I get so into it. And then the next day it is literally a desert. And I then ring Andy on the third day and I go, I'll, I'll, same time next year, you know, <laughs> see you
1: next time. <laughs> Just for listeners who might not be aware, Emma was yes, exactly. uh, a tag team. on early morning saturday tv with andy peters who is a national treasure and one of the greatest joys to have on your tv i mean you both were there are still bits of that show that i remember and i have at at certain times and you'll know the bit i'm talking about there is a particular clip that was done where andy was surprised and i have youtube that before i "I must watch that again and it was just anyway i'll put the link to that in the show notes a little yeah it was just it
0: was yes because it was a billion years ago you know it was a million years ago and I remember I showed it to my kids who obviously weren't around and I showed it to my son one day you know when they were about sort of 10 or something I said do you want to see what mommy did and they were like yeah yeah and they sort of sat there kind of fidgeting and sort of looking around and then suddenly I introduced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the cartoon and Sam my son went did you have that on your show so I said he said could we just watch those bits I was like sure so <laughs> sure. you don't want to watch mommy but he was like I don't realize you had that cartoon and then it had a whole new meaning but yeah I did that and I and and so yeah I I'm because I never want it to come across like I'm bitter about it because I'm not I'm a complete telly addict and there are people that I love on tv and I love watching it I'm just I just miss it mm-hmm. I mean it's as pure and simple as that and I think there's a big difference between being sort of bitter and twisted about it. And I think I was really hurt and upset about it for a while. Now I just sort of love it. You know, now I love it. And if I get, I got tickets to go and watch American Idol um, in America once through a producer friend of mine that I'd work with. And I was like, oh my God, that's like the most amazing. Because I love Ryan Seacrest who's a big American TV presenter. And he came out in the beginning to do the warm up, And I was like jumping out of my seat, like a lunatic. I was like, you know, when he goes this, is American Idol I was like "Whoa! I'm a terrible audience member because I'm so into it I'm like I loved it
1: you're probably the greatest the thing is as well and we will move on to your feel good habits but one of the things that you don't hear anymore but that you always used to hear on your tv show is when you got a kid on the phone or in the studio and they were on tv and they say do you want to say hello to anyone and they would say I just want to say hello to everybody knows me (laughs) you've I know. Oh, it's a
0: so, uh, yeah, it's just adorable. I love that.
1: I feel yeah, like I should so say adorable. that at the end of every podcast and just to say hello yeah. to everyone. Who knows
0: just anybody that knows me, or my school, all my friends, or my family, anybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so but it's very, very interesting. And I think I love the idea of a part two. And I love the idea of actually the reason why it feels fulfilling. And maybe the reason why you feel ignited now is because actually you're getting to share in your podcast what you've learned over the years. Yeah, it's like,
0: yes, it's like I can be completely authentic, because it's, it's me. And I can, you know, interview people. And I know you said this too, but but it is true. I learn from every interview. Every interview, I'm able to sort of take something away. And I really feel passionate about imparting that knowledge through the podcast. I'm like, oh, if I can, if somebody can listen in and go, oh, my God, that you know resonated with me and it made me do X or that made me laugh, Emma, because I do the same thing. I feel like that's a good thing. And I feel like I'm giving something back. And that's the kind of broadcasting I want to do now is I want to do that sort of imparting knowledge through experts because I'm not an expert. You know, I don't want to be on TV because I'm not an expert. I am the layman. I'm the kind of person, you know, and I, yes, I'm into wellness. I have no qualification. I'm just interested and passionate about it. So I want to make sure that my journey is, is, is sort of giving people the right information in the right way, not in an expert way, but in a kind of way of like, this is what I've learned. This is who I learned it from. I'll try and interview them. And if not,
1: you know, here's that you know, and do it that way. Agreed. Somebody asked me the other day, I wrote something and they said, can we put you down as a beauty expert? And I said, no, no, I am no expert, but I have a black book full of them. That's, yes, that's what I'm able to do. I'm able to yes. get the expert on, but I am not the expert. I yes, ask the and, and,
0: and you and I can both facilitate it for other people. So we can be the access to them to the expert where they might not be able to get hold of them. And that's To me, that's a great joy of doing it, and it's like having sort of free therapy along the way. I love
1: it, (laughs) one hundred percent right. So (laughs) let's get some free therapy from you, my friend. Yes. What is your first? You see how we're we're getting ready? Getting? I'm limbering up. I'm sort of stretching up. Coffee (laughs) in
0: hand. What is your first habit? My first one would be my extensive list making, and. I think a lot of people talk about lists, and I was thinking, you know, what is my feel good habit? But there is nothing like a clean sheet of paper. I'm not talking about doing it on my phone, I'm talking an old fashioned way with a nice pen. It sort of reminds me of being at school, you know, with a kind of a nice pen and a really kind of age inappropriate notebook, I like as well. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not quite at the Hello Kitty level but it could be. And I am very attracted to the smell of new paper and a pen. And I like having a to do list. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever cleared the list, but it is my feel good habit because it organizes my feel good factor. Cause I feel like if I've written it down, I've committed to it. Yes. And even if I don't complete it or do it, it's there in black and white. And I can sort of half do it, complete it, do it, find another way. But it it, it makes me feel good and it makes me feel organized.
1: Mm. It's so true. It's so true. And actually our mutual pal, Nadine Bagot, one of her feel good habits was list writing.
0: Yeah, I just, and it sounds sort of, and it is pretty simplistic. And at night, if I cross anything off, I then start a fresh page and I do the next day's one. So I don't keep lots of cross down. I don't like mess. I'm quite mm. sort of aimly organized. So I like to kind of do a fresh one every day and then I add something to it. And it's also not big tasks, let me tell you. Then they don't have to be, it makes it sound like I've got this huge, you know, one, rebuild the house. No, it's not that kind of thing. It's, it can be really small things. It's like ordering things for my son or, you know kind of something on Amazon. It could be something super small, but to me, it's significant enough to put it on a to-do list. And I think particularly with lockdown, I had to have that. I had to have that kind
1: of structure in my day. I don't know about you, but I feel as though, as you say in lockdown, the days sort of merge into one, one hour can feel like 10, one hour can feel like five minutes. But I feel as though rather than the day being this huge, great, mass of potential in front of me that I don't know what I'm going to do away with and can easily coast through and then just clock off at five o'clock and watch The Real Housewives. If I've got a yeah. list, all of a sudden the day has wheels and the day starts moving and it I'm yeah. like sort of sitting there waiting.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally and utterly. That's exactly what it does. It gives me a structure to an otherwise slightly, you know, weekend seemed like a weekday. And, and so it gives me that kind of actually... Monday, that's when I can do that on the to-do list because, you know, Mondays are when that office is open or I can make that phone
1: call or, or do that. So I, I do that. Have you always been a list maker or has list making been something that you've come to more recently when you realised that you maybe needed a bit of order? I think it's
0: come to me more recently and I think it's because, um, you know, because I think there's been less control in my life with with Covid and everything like that so I think I I was always a bit of a list maker but actually now it's a much more profound list of to-do things than perhaps before I've you know I've made a a much bigger point of having a to-do list and but I've always loved a bit of a list and I've always been that person that has a notepad by their bed at night because I always think if I don't write it down at night I'll forget it in the morning so I sort of scribble something by my bed, which is a sort of different kind of list, but it sort of just puts, you know, puts it on paper and half the time, if I do it in the dark, I can't read it in the morning anyway, because I've sort of done it in like <laughs> Egyptian hieroglyphics without seeing, but, but somehow it retains it in my in my very scatty memory. It's like, okay, I wrote that down, so I add it. So I think, but I think it has become more and it's definitely become more since lockdown. It's has, become my go-to.
1: Has the bedtime list making, has that, do you think helped you sleep?
0: Yes, I'm a terrible, well, I suffer from anxiety. I mean, I don't say I'm a terrible worry. I suffer from anxiety. So for me, putting things down at night, I have to unclutter a very whirring, swirling brain. I sort of describe my brain at night like one of those, it's either a circus act or somebody in a Greek restaurant where they spin, spin <laughs> plates on, on poles. And, and I can really whip those plates up into a sort of frenzy. And I have to really make sure that I kind of manage those and actually by writing them down
1: I'm a bit like
0: okay that that's I can settle my mind a bit more at night
1: that's interesting yeah don't believe everything you think I've had to really really cling on to that a few times yes I mean I really
0: I've really had to cling on to it because it is and it's funny isn't it how the night is just the worst possible time it shouldn't be it's just dark but it is the worst possible time for that
1: Yeah, it is. It can be, can it not? Right. Okay. Let's move on to habit number two.
0: So habit number two is that, you know, I'm somebody that has a sort of love-hate relationship with people that go, you know, get into nature or, you know, I, I sort of, I want to embrace more than I do. And then I'm sometimes a bit skeptical or I'm a bit this or that, but actually my habit has been to make sure I get out every day and get fresh air and again it sounds a little bit of a lame habit but I I do have a dog which has helped massively because he gives me the kind of the guilt and shame look in the morning of like you know are we going to go out or not and 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 I was a very fair weather person like I love good weather I love Mm. sunshine I don't love rain I don't love grey anybody that follows me on social media I had to like stop myself because I realized I was that weather boring person going oh my god it's (laughs) so my habit is now, regardless of the weather, is to fully go out on a walk. But I'm not that person that goes, Oh my god, it's raining and it's so invigorating. I don't find it, I don't find it invigorating like that, but it makes me feel good that I have physically got myself outside. Mm. So as I say, a dog has helped that because there is a necessity there but it but it but I wasn't that person I would kind of you know maybe not do that and it has been a real feel good habit for me because it has made me you know go out and and reap the benefits of fresh air and there are benefits of fresh air and and you know now that we you know wear masks in America it's, you have to wear masks outside you know you have to grab your moment of fresh air when you can like you have to be away from people or you know not see people for a good distance and then I kind of take my mask off I'm like okay I'm gonna thumb my lungs with fresh air and then the mask goes back on but um so that's my feel-good habit and I thought about it and I thought actually that's the sort of it's a it's a good one for me that
1: when you go out do you have any do you put any other distractions in so do you listen to a podcast Do you listen to music or do you go without no. I just go
0: complete, I just, I do what I call stomping. I'm like a fast walker. And I actually just let my mind go. I've tried listening to a podcast. I've tried listening to music, but I, 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 I can't multitask. I can multitask on many levels, but not when I'm walking. So I literally go out and I pace it out. I'm quite a fast walker and the dog is a fast walker. So I sort of tend to just do that and enjoy actually the quiet.
1: It's interesting. I had Sarah Wilson on the podcast about uh, two years ago, nearly, and she talked about walking and anxiety and how when you're walking, it's almost like a fail-safe switch with the part of your brain that triggers anxious feelings. And so if you're walking and you're moving...
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
1: in that way that anxious part of your brain can't get the same hold that it can when you're sitting ill freaking out which makes it a wonderful exercise. It
0: really is great and I think sometimes we forget that the the simple things because you know I was a big sort of self-help addict with books and kind of I've got to find a way and I've got to find a key with anxiety and actually we forget that there are some pretty simple things that we can do. That really do help. And I genuinely find getting out and stomping and walking fast. I look like a woman on a mission. I look like I'm going somewhere, but it does. It's a very good fail safe technique for me as a feel good thing.
1: I would be really interested, only because I've been through this myself, how you would experience it if you slowed down and didn't stomp. Hello. If you just.
0: I know, meandered. You're totally right. You've now given me food for thought that I should do that. So I think people get out of my way. They're like, that woman, let's not say good morning to her because I'm sort of like out there. You're right. I'll do it and let you know because I haven't done it. I'd be lying if I told you I've meandered anywhere.
1: I am well, a woman on a mission. It's from, because I, I very much thought, well, if I'm... I used to really hate walking because I think, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm walking in a circle. What's the point? Okay, well, I'll add speed to it because at least that way yes it's dynamic and I remember listening to a podcast and I completely forgotten the guest but it was Tim Ferriss and he was talking to this guy who used to cycle on the cycle paths on Santa Monica Beach yeah well and I can't remember the exact geography but he would go as fast as he could on his bike as fast as he could and he would time it and one day he decided to pay attention to the sea pay attention to the waves look at who else was on the beach just feel the sun on his skin and when he got to the end and timed it I think it was an extra 90 seconds and he realized so for all that time if I just taken 90 seconds off I could have enjoyed it more and that really that story really stuck in my mind I mean his name didn't obviously
0: (laughs) (laughs) no but it's so true because it is so true
1: and 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 I could
0: easily oh my god in lockdown I could spend 90 minutes doing a little bit more of a walk but I always just sort of it's a kind of 45 minute walk and it's a stomp so yeah I don't know what it's like to do that slowing one but it is a habit that I sort of look forward to because it kind of it sort of stomps out any kind of anxiety for that moment and I just sort of escape.
1: Hmm. Interesting right okay well I shall be interested to see any reports about (laughs) Leandering. What's number three Emma?
0: So number three is I I sort of I I, I don't I didn't know if it was to describe it as a habit or a thing that makes me feel good is complete escapism TV with no guilt or shame attached. Yes, because I think in lockdown a lot of people were like, oh, I'm watching this documentary series and it's amazing and it's on you know world and I thought you, you know really, and and I you know not judging that at all but for me to make me feel good I need pure escapism. I'm talking Housewives, Love Island, Bachelor, Bachelorette, uh, hoarding Buried Alive. Um, You know, I mean, I'm talking, (laughs) I'm talking really, I've gone the full extreme, but I do it guilt-free now. I think I used to be shameful about hiding it, kind of going, no, no, I was was watching that documentary too, actually last night, and I probably wasn't. And I'm now like, no, I've just watched Housewives. And, and I partly did it because my mother would always be like, oh, you're not watching, you know, can't believe you're not watching that. And you didn't watch that incredible film on And I do watch, of course I do. But I feel like, you know, it's not like I'm sort of oblivious to the news or I don't care about other things. And I've watched some really powerful and upsetting documentaries um, during lockdown. But I do find as a good habit is just even half an hour of something that really takes you away from life is a very good habit. I feel like it's medicinal and it's not me trying to find an excuse for it. I actually just think it's good for you. And I think you, but I think you have to be open about it. I think you can't do it behind closed doors. I think you have to go, I can't speak to you now because I'm watching The Real Housewives and I'll call you in half an hour. Or below deck, or below deck which is- oh, below deck. How could I leave below deck off? Yes, below deck. I mean, I'm into them all. Dr. Pimple Popper. I don't know if you've seen... That's a whole other level of escapism. I mean, there's some really good stuff out there.
1: Yeah, and Sandra's been on this podcast and she's amazing, so I just... Oh, have
0: you interviewed her? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay.
1: She's fabulous. Uh, But yeah, but... Yeah, she was. She was utterly brilliant and exceeded expectations. Um, yes, and I agree with you. Long time listeners will know I'm a big fan of Anything Bravo. One of my favorite WhatsApp groups is an international group. And at the moment, they've all caught up on the Royal Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I'm yeah. behind. And I'm like, I've got podcasts to do. But when I've done podcasts, it's the first thing <laughs> I'm going to do, I promise. And I'll be back here in a minute. So, yeah, I just, joyful. and I love
0: the program afterwards with Andy Cohen as well, where they all sort of debrief and then watch what happens live. And then, oh, I mean, you know, you just don't get better escapism than that because you're just like, this is so out of my ballpark. Yes. You know, and there's nothing like watching a kind of, you know, Kardashian children's party where you just go, this is like, you know, and they're like, we're just doing a really low key lockdown party and it's literally kind of bouncy castles and life-size blow up models of their children and kind of a thousand cupcakes. And I'm just like, I just need to watch this and just be okay with it.
1: I covered many a wedding for OK Magazine and the <laughs> Kardashian like afternoon tea parties make my teeth itch with how detailed <laughs> and expensive they are. Oh
0: my God, they're just, they're on another level. I mean, even the cookies with their faces are just like, they're like sort of having, you know, Picasso do I mean, they're just incredible. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is just on another level. So that's my sort of,
1: yeah. Okie doke. Right. Let's go to number four because I could get lost in uh, Ratchet TV. <laughs> yes, yes, we could get let's lost go in on to number four.
0: So my other thing is to be, is, is to be much more proactive about reaching out to people. Um, and I say that because I think pre lockdown, one of the other things that i sort of learned from lockdown is that I I considered myself a really good friend, but I was a very you know, like a I was always on the, I'm always on the other end of a phone, and I am that person that you could call it to in the morning that would snap into action but I wasn't necessarily the best at always keeping in contact with people. And I found it's really made me feel good to make sure every day I reach out to somebody somewhere. And, and it doesn't have to be a kind of 40 minute conversation and it doesn't have to be a zoom or a FaceTime, but it can just be, I just do something. I send a funny picture or a memory of something we did or, and I've, and I've, and it's made me feel good doing it because i've sort of liked the it's made me feel good the people that have done it to me does that make mm. does that make any sense in that sentence at all but what i noticed in lockdown is that the people that reached out to me were not necessarily the people i thought would i've been really surprised and loved the friends that have reached out and it's a much smaller group I guess than one imagines and so for
1: me I've sort of done the same back and it's been a sort of really good mutual feel-good factor. It's so interesting isn't it I think a lot of people have said that uh, their friendships they've understood the dynamics of them much better actually in not seeing them. Yes. They've understood what those relationships really feed you.
0: I think it's 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 done that, and it's also it's a real sort of authenticity check, really, because because you know people always go, oh yeah, you know when when shit goes down, it's like you know you know who your real friends are, and you do, but never more so in a global pandemic. You know, it's like it really does it picks out the good from the bad, you know, it picks out the people that really are there for you or that reach out to you that need help or, you know, and it puts an authenticity between you that you just didn't have. I mean, I've got one girlfriend that has been my lockdown girlfriend. And funnily enough, I've seen her for years. We're we're sort of holiday friends and we met on a holiday, but we had that sort of holiday friendship where between that time, To be honest, I wasn't an amazing friend. I didn't really see her a lot. I didn't do a lot of that. And now that we're in lockdown, I really have properly, we've started this great sort of texting and we're on two different coasts of America, but we've had this hilarious relationship, but it's a really deep relationship. I didn't know you could have Mm. that with a girlfriend. We've got to know each other. I probably know her better than girlfriends I see in the flesh. And we laugh and we've had dark moments, funny moments, worrying moments, anxiety moments. And it's great. And then we have a couple of days silence and then I'll text her and then I'll text her back. And it's it's brilliant. And I thought, gosh, I I didn't know that I was capable of having that kind of friendship with somebody. And I didn't know that that would be possible. And actually, I sort of am living for the moment when I see her in the flesh, because I'll be like, actually, we've done so much. We've got so much history, even not physically seeing each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so powerful what, what it has done and how uh, somebody said something really interesting to me the other day in the sense of it's helped understand friendships because you understand the ebb and flow more and that because we can't see each other, there's less pressure. So if someone doesn't get in touch for a while, that doesn't mean what it used to mean. And it's just renegotiating. Yes.
0: And you're not canceling, Arrangements. You know, I found that, particularly living in America, I, I struggled with it a bit. Actually, living in Manhattan, people would always be like, "Let's meet on Tuesday. Let's let's kind of meet for lunch, and we'll go to that new coffee shop." And you kind of go, "Oh my god, amazing!" And then on the morning they go, Let, "Let's not do that coffee shop. Let's do, let's do two o'clock at that." And, and it was always a constant kind of changing of arrangements and the reasons. You know, I had a girlfriend that, that I always thought was a bit flaky, but actually through lockdown and chatting to her, I realised actually she's got much more going on in her life than I knew about. Mm. But because we always met in a rush and because it was always sort of being cancelled, I'd sort of labelled her as a bit flaky and a bit like, oh, that's annoying. And now I know why, you know, so now I found out stuff that I wouldn't have found out. So I guess a feel-good thing for me has been checking in with people that I
1: love and care about. Yeah, I think we can often assume that people know how we feel about them. Yeah. Might love somebody or really like somebody, but unless you're showing it or saying it, then they might not necessarily know And I think it's given one a better radar
0: on whether they're being honest. You know, I think I think it's given one a better it's given it's it's given an honesty barometer that we didn't have before. Yeah.
1: Oh, honesty barometer, stealing that. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I let's... give it to you as my gift of the day. <laughs> oh, thank you. Taken, received. Thank you. Yeah, note is in the post. Right. Um, <laughs> can't believe we're already at the end, but what is number five? Well, number five, I've left it to the end, but it's by no means um, unimportant.
0: Food is a massive factor in my life, right? And it always has been. Um, in various shapes and forms, you know, and and I've always associated food with good times. Mm. Um, whether it be you know making children's birthday cakes, where they'd give me sort of you know epic challenges. You know, could I have a rainbow with Elmo sitting on it? And I'd be like, hell yeah! And I'd be like four hundred cupcakes down, and I'd be. But there's a real feel good factor for me in 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 cooking. And and lockdown was a challenge because I'm actually like cooking for people and I like sort of the the abundance of it and I had to really you know and 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 weight's been an issue for me and my sort of relationship to food and comfort food and sort of finding that way where you don't feel guilty I remember talking something really changed my thing on it they were like if you're gonna have a piece of chocolate cake don't have the skinny version with the kind of the low fat sugar and all that kind of information and the other rubbish in it have a really fabulous piece of chocolate Mm. cake and look at it and smell it and sit down and kind of have it with a cup of tea or coffee that you want or the glass or whatever it is and savour every moment and so I think for me food is a real feel-good point because I like doing it and I realised in lockdown that actually the the boring bit for everybody was that sort of monotonous cookery you know because we couldn't you know, you can't get to the right shops at the moment where I am, it's, a, it, it, it's in the summer, you've got an abundance of farm shops and fruit stands on the sign. It looks like the American dream and kind of hot baked apple pies. In the winter, it's flipping bleak, let me tell you. And there's, 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 a kind of, there's a couple of supermarkets. You're like, okay, how do I make this good? And I've started to do, like I do cook for, my daughter has a 87 year old partner that came out of lockdown that she set up a fashion business with and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, long story short, I cook for him. And I do all his cooking every week and it gives me real, it's put a passion back in my cooking because I'm not only cooking, but I'm actually sharing it with somebody else where, and he marks me out of 10. I mean, it's (laughs) eleven. it's French, so he would. And so he goes, I feel a little bit too many onions in the, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so I'm sort of loving, that, and for me, I don't find cooking stressful. I find it, mm. a, I find it a relaxation. It's a feel yeah. good thing for me. And I and I know that a lot of people find cooking stressful and I understand that. And I totally know that it depends on the situation. And if you're cooking for three kids and you could be like a short order cook. And, but I think if you can find that middle point where it's, you know, you're cooking maybe for yourself Or in lockdown, you think, I'm going to cook for a neighbor. It's their birthday or something. It it, it is a real feel-good habit for me that I do. I love soup. And if anybody follows me on Instagram, you'll see I have made more soup in lockdown than is humanly possible. If I could have set up a soup kitchen, I should have done. And I was laughing the other day because somebody said to me, but nobody in your family likes soup other than you. And I was like, I know. And I said, but it makes me feel really good (laughs) to make soup. I've got a freezer full of Ziploc bags of different variations of soup. And, but I like doing it and I like the habit of it and I like the chopping of it. And I like Mm. putting it all in like one pot cooking and it feels like soup is something good for you. So I feel the feel good factor because I'm like, I've made really good soup. It's got really good
1: stuff in it. Yeah. So I make soup. Something meditative about preparing food, I think. Yes. And there's something so gratifying about the alchemy of turning raw ingredients into something that you didn't know they could look like at the end. Yes and I think I've thought a lot and I don't mean to sound sort of woo-woo about it I've thought a lot more about where my food comes from mm. you know
0: and I've supported small shops and I've sort of shopped locally and I've eaten much more in season and of the moment because you know it's it's just made me think a little bit more out of the box on that front so I so cooking for me and comfort food in the truest sense of the word, has been my real you know good good feel good habit it makes me feel good to do that
1: it's so interesting you say that i remember when lockdown first happened and all the supermarkets here in the uk uh, i mean it was covered in the news but all the fresh produce the fresh produce was an issue in terms of accessibility and there was a period where it was very very difficult to get fresh produce and when you would go into the supermarket you would see that the fruit and veg didn't look like they used to because they had obviously broadened their supplier net and they were not getting these homogenized, every fruit looks like something, Yeah, looks like, you know, the supermodel of fruits. And And again, it was that thing in my head that made me realize I need to really think where I'm getting my fresh produce from.
0: Yeah. And I think also what I loved was, was the people that became creative in that. Like you can buy these odd fruit boxes mm-hmm. and vegetables where it's all the kind of the funny ones, the ones that, you know, people put on Instagram because it's like a double headed carrot or whatever it is, you know, the funny things. And I thought, I actually thought the food industry was so creative with, with what they did. I've talked about it actually a lot on, on my podcast just before lockdown. No, the year before lockdown, I gave my sister this amazing 60th birthday party. And it was an ABBA party. And I used these two young girls who'd set up a catering business and they were just super young and super inventive and super creative and it was delicious. And in lockdown, I thought, oh my God, poor them. Cause that's another industry, you know, like what are they going to do? Oh my God, they were genius because they did these boxes and they were creative and they did, they made, they so, so that you basically, right obviously they weren't cooking for a party, but you could buy a box. And so one week it would be whatever they could get. So it would be the most amazing breakfast in a box and they'd wrap it all Beauty. It was so clever. And then they did these like chicken pies that said a swear word Corona written on them in pastry. And that would be that week. (laughs) And I actually think that food became, you know, more creative and people Mm. started cooking more with like pantry essentials. It's not like the war, but when they had rations, but like, I didn't cook so much with things like lentils and pulses. Yeah. I felt like it was slightly war food. I got into kind of war food. I mean, made a lot of lentil soup, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but I think you're right. It just, it, it just put a different perspective on my cooking because I think we all lived somewhere where like, you know, pre Corona, you and I could meet and I could come to your house for dinner and you might cook, but you might kind of go, actually, tonight I'm just I'm sending take out takeout. And, and and oh Emma, I realized that you, you know, you and I both like pizza, but I've got a friend coming, so I'm ordering her, and I a kind of in and it and food sort of was a bit haphazard and a bit chaotic. And actually, I've loved cooking when I've had both my kids home, grown-up kids in lockdown. It was sort of perfect for me because it was like we actually sat down at a table, we actually all ate the same thing, and food has been my sort of feel-good factor.
1: Oh, that's so lovely.
0: A few lockdown pounds to shift, let me tell you, because I took the word comfort very literally and somebody told me halfway through, I don't even know where I read it, that if you held a piece of dark chocolate in your mouth, it relieved anxiety. And so I've very much taken that to heart and thought, (laughs) a little bit anxious maybe I'll just have one more square but I'll hold in my mouth for the serotonin
1: (laughs) I remember seeing a food intolerance doctor person years and years ago and she said well I think you're allergic to dairy I'm not I have a very very mild intolerance like if I can avoid it it's just best but it's not going to do me much harm and she said I think you should be eating dark chocolate and goat's cheese well I I went all in Oh my god,
0: I'm exactly the same person. If somebody tells me to do something, I literally it's like avocados for me. You know an avocado, everybody was and I I got this sort of pain halfway through lockdown, sort of around my um liver area. And I don't really know what it was. I don't even know what it was, but I spoke to a doctor on She said, you know, you're eating a lot of fats. I was like, no, hell no. I'm like super healthy. I said, I'm eating like an avocado a day. She went, Emma, that's like a lot of avocado. (laughs) I suddenly realized that I will take something and I'll take it to the extreme. It's probably why I don't drink or smoke because I probably would be that person. I'm not a one cigarette person. I'd probably be on a hundred. And I don't feel that way about chocolate or avocados, to be honest. I mean, who wants a quarter of an avocado? Anybody? No. No
1: one. Not really. Now you're, you want making me want, you're making me want to come over to New York and you're making me want to go to Rosa Mexicana, which is my favourite Mexican restaurant in the whole world, and have the make guacamole next to the table oh. as oh I sip God. on a spicy margarita.
0: I mean, heaven. Well, I hope we will be able to do that one day.
1: Well, okay. And I hope we
0: won't be wearing a mask and sort of sliding it down to get our nachos crammed into our mouth with the avocado no i want to be able to eat them normally
1: yeah we'll be wearing our matching uh, glasses
0: we will be wearing our matching glasses that is true
1: listeners we have we got on the zoom call and we're wearing matching celine lenses
0: nearly oh, no. matching i so mean we look-
1: nearly matching except
0: that i prefer yours but then that's always the way with glasses
1: agree because then i'll
0: go and buy yours and they won't
1: look the same on my face mm-hmm. and that's the problem TK Maxx got my prescription put in. TK Maxx is great for designer frames. But there we go. Isn't That's it? a whole other feel good habit. <laughs> um Emma, I have loved these and just a reminder would you just share again the details of your podcast and I obviously will put That's the sweet. links in the show notes everybody but um you've so had some yes. wonderful wonderful guests
0: Well, thank you very much. It's called Life and Soul. I chat to people about what gives them life, what feeds their soul. Um, You can follow it on Instagram. It's by emma.forbes. And my website is by emma.co, which is a sort of an extension
1: of all of that and other sort of bits and pieces on it. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And thank you for sharing your feel good habits. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Loved it.